The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. So one of the interesting things is that over the course of introducing technology, our experience with shopping and retail continues to change. You know, like 150 years ago, when we introduced the idea of the catalog, right? Sears and all those companies revolutionized the idea of mail order catalogs, which was like a huge innovation. Didn't have to like, you know, take your horse and cart (laughs) down the street to the neighborhood general merchandise store and you had to buy whatever they had. Now all of a sudden you're like, whoa, you get this catalog in the mail and now you have the world of possibilities open to you. Pretty much. As long as you lived close to a rail line, you could pretty much get anything because depending on where you lived, your general store might have been pretty far away and how much can a horse carry? Exactly, right? The whole idea of the traveling merchant was basically, that was how retail was done for millennia, right? Back in the day when Sears was innovative. Right, exactly. Exactly. And then, of course, soon after that, we had telephones and we had phone lines and we had online television shopping. And then, of course, the big thing that totally changed retail over the past 20 years was e-commerce, right? And that really revolutionized everything because from the convenience of your own home, you could order products and goods from anywhere, have an infinite selection Mm -hmm. of goods. And of course, now you can get that product like within an hour. Right. Which is extra awesome, (laughs) especially. And, you know, also when you're on Mm -hmm. vacation, no longer do you need to worry or be stressed out that you might not have enough of diapers or formula if you're traveling with babies or snacks if you're traveling with cranky adults or (laughs) children. (laughs) Right. But, you know, this is not the edge of innovation. And what we're seeing is that every time there's a new wave of technology, retail and and commerce seems to be one of those areas that finds just greater ways to, to innovate. Right. Right. And, you know, we've talked about this with voice assistants, how you can now use that to purchase various goods such as pizza or coffee, things like that. But we're also starting to see autonomous retail really pick up. We have some of it in the States, and then also China is really pioneering this as well. And in the past few years, we've started to see more and more stores emerge. So we wanted to spend some time today talking about autonomous retail, kind of what it is, its current state, and then future predictions. So, of course, AI enables all sorts of things. If you've been following our Cognolytica research and our podcast, we talk about these seven patterns of AI, right? So just a quick recap, we have the recognition pattern, the conversation pattern, patterns and anomalies, predictive analytics, hyper-personalization, autonomous systems, and, of course, goal-driven systems. And, you know, we can combine these patterns together to accomplish some fairly sophisticated and almost magical things. And a few years ago... Amazon basically started trying out this idea within the retail experience of combining computer vision and autonomous systems together combined with their payment system to allow people to have a retail experience, a physical retail experience where they can walk into a store, literally should they have their app enabled. So when they walk in the store, they check in, they say they're at the store, pick something off the shelf and then just walk out the door and the system knows that you've purchased that item. And that's part of the vision of autonomous retail. Right. So right now it's limited with Amazon Go. There's a few dozen stores, mostly in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and Seattle. And listeners, if any of you have been, please message us and let us know what your experience was like. Ron and I have still yet to go to one, but it Mm -hmm. is on our list next time we're in one of those locations. And basically, you know, the experience just allows 
shoppers to go in, grab something very quickly and leave, which is great if you're on your lunch break or if you're walking around a city and you're thirsty and want to grab a drink and don't feel like waiting in a very long line. So, you know, as Ron mentioned right now, this is mostly for convenience store type places. But what happens when we can move this into different experiences as well? Mm -hmm. Now, this idea of giving the user sort of the ultimate humanless, I guess, retail experience is not new, right? Amazon Go, while they may be sort of pioneering the broad adoption of it, we've had sort of previous attempts. As a matter of fact, there are examples of sort of maybe the slightly less AI-enabled versions of this. A while back, you know, in Europe and especially in Asia, companies like Metro AG and IBM, they tried this with using RFID. So you'd have the products have RFID and then you have the whole self-checkout experience using QR codes. And that certainly works. And sort of the couple companies in China have really taken this to the, the full extent. You know, they have these container boxes that basically are like convenience stores to go. They look at, to me like little bodegas just popped yeah. up on the street, right? Right. And then the way that those work is that they use the combination of mobile payments. So you scan your way to get into the... So if you're familiar with Bingo Box or Aochan, that's what they have. You can scan, you get into the virtual convenience store, and then you basically scan items like you're going through a self-checkout, and then you basically pay with the mobile device, and then you let out. Of course, there's a number of challenges with sort of that approach. And then it's like, you know, it's one person at a time in the store. It's still not using computer vision. And there are other limitations with it. But basically, it's showing that people are interested in this whole self-retail experience, right? Right. And I think that, you know, one reason that's really doing this is that brick-and-mortar retail stores in particular, ever since e-commerce came about, have really felt the disruption from e-commerce. And, you know, we now have basically on-demand delivery and mega store dominance as well. So these brick and mortar stores need to figure out how to differentiate. So some of them have decided to have more niche markets, you know, with unique selections, really focus on customer service and an experience in store. But then some of them have said, you know, let's move towards this autonomous retail where we don't need to have as much overhead and we can compete monetarily. So maybe we can lower our prices because of that. And we can be open 24-7 where we typically couldn't have been open 24-7. Yeah. And especially in the U.S., we have this idea of what's called the food deserts, which are parts of usually urban cities where there just isn't a large selection. They don't have the big grocery stores. They don't have the big selections for a variety of reasons. Either the infrastructure is not there. There's like they're concerned that the neighborhood is poor, perhaps, and and can't support the grocery store. And there have been a lot of movements to sort of take the idea of retail and sort of make it much more decentralized, putting a lot of these more virtual, not virtual, this, the retail. Well, putting these autonomous, yeah. you know, like Ron had mentioned earlier, where in China, they took a shipping container and made it an autonomous retail store. So, you know, could we do that? Because it doesn't have a large footprint. It's not stocked like a grocery store. So you don't have to worry about a lot of food spoilage and food wastage. And then you don't need to worry about some other issues that could potentially be of concern, such as safety issues or stores getting robbed, things like that. Because since it is autonomous and one person goes in at a time, in the bingo box example, but, you know, you mm-hmm. you can figure that out, whatever's best for the demographics and the footprint of the store, how many people it could accommodate at once. Now you're able to have fresh fruits and vegetables and meats in neighborhoods that are so-called food deserts so that people who live in those neighborhoods now feel empowered to shop more healthy. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing that this is one of those things that 
will be, you might not see it in your neighborhood to begin with. And then all of a sudden it starts appearing everywhere. This is what happened with self-checkout. Like, you know, if this was 2000 and I'm trying to remember when self-checkout really took off, but like, let's say 15 years ago, you'd go into a grocery store, say, and you wouldn't really see self-checkout or if it was, it was like maybe one lane and they were kind of experimenting with it. But now pretty much every retail establishment from grocery stores to hardware stores to clothing stores, it doesn't really matter at this point. They all have self-checkout. And that's basically what we are going to expect here. That's what the retail establishment's expecting. And according to IBM recently published a study on this, and they said that 80%, you know, full 80% of executives in the retail and consumer industries say that they will be using some version of this intelligent automation by 2021. And it's 2020 now. So, right. <laughs> so things are really moving, moving along. And of course, China has seen rapid adoption of this. It's the combination of a bunch of things there. We have, of course, you know, a society where they're used to using mobile as a form of payment and communication. And also, you know, they have just a lot of people so, so they can afford to distribute these different units and have them be successful. It's not just the black box and Ouchen that we mentioned, but of course, Alibaba is doing this. Right, with J- Alipay yeah. and with other examples as well. But of course, here in the U.S., the big retailers that have been experimenting with this are not just Amazon, but also, of course, Walmart, who is Amazon's biggest competitor and still the largest retailer in the United States, largest employer as well, and companies like Starbucks, you know, which we talk about all the time, which is the idea of the autonomous barista, right? (laughs) Right. And so we're not quite at the autonomous barista yet, but Starbucks is, you know, they continue to be a very innovative company. You know, you think of them as just selling coffee, but one, people need their coffee like me. So thank you for being fast. And also, you know, they want to make sure that the experience is a positive one. So people continue to come back because there are a lot of other options. So they've experimented with geofencing their Starbucks shops Mm -hmm. so that it can notify customers if they go within that geofenced area and give them, you know, a breakfast meal coupon pop up on their phone or a coupon for a coffee in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And so they're experimenting that way. They're not quite at the fully autonomous retail experience yet, but we expect that to be only a matter of time before, you know, Starbucks can stay open 24-7 and have autonomous kiosks in places that are heavily trafficked like airports or malls. Mm-hmm. So, you know, according to some of these same studies, they say that, you know, autonomous retail, of course, has the power to reduce the cost of retail because you have the human cost, you have various other factors when dealing with large fresh goods that are available. But also, they say that these reports that they can also increase the amount, the average revenue. So, you know, according to these studies, it's like, you know, for whatever reason, autonomous retail is showing that they're bringing in 50% more revenue per customer. I think this is a bit of of a self-selecting thing because of where they chose to put these stores. They're probably putting them in highly trafficked areas with kind of a clientele that can afford to spend. And I'm sure for them, the novelty of it is really interesting. And I'm sure they're picking up a bunch of things that they probably don't really need. So, you know, just to test that, like, ooh, I'm going to grab this off the shelf and see if it works. I think there's a bit of a novelty factor there. I'm not sure. <laughs> Let me grab this bag of Doritos yeah. that I really shouldn't be eating anyway. <laughs> right. Like, ooh, it's charging. So I think there's a little bit of the novelty factor, which is showing why the bump in revenue. But I think obviously the big motivator for retail establishments is because of cost. Margins in retail are notoriously thin. And there's a big move to basically sort of shift the cost of labor, which of course is the, I would say, the double-edged sword of autonomous retail. Retail is a very large employer worldwide, especially mm-hmm. here in the United States. Right. And so whenever we talk about anything you know, related to autonomous systems, people always get concerned about job loss. 
And so it's something that, you know, is very important to be talking about and bringing up because there is a potential for there to be job loss. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, about 5 million people in the United States are employed in the retail industry, which is a lot of people. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics is expecting that with these existing trends towards autonomous retail, that the retail employment will show a 2% decline, netting about 100,000 job losses over the next decade or so. So, you know, it is something that we keep an eye on because people are demanding convenience and they want things at a low price. And you can only do so much. You can only squeeze, you know, margins so much when you need people involved. So if you don't have people, how much do you pay a machine? Is it a one-time cost? Is it cheaper? Am I able to be operating 24-7 because of that? And so I give people convenience, but then at the cost of hiring employees. Right, exactly. So it's something we're going to keep an eye on. You know, that is sort of the inevitable march of technology and progress. And as we mentioned, you know, commerce has been going through these waves of innovation since the days we moved away from donkey carts carrying goods (laughs) to mail order catalogs to television and phone order to the web and now autonomous retail. And of course, the things that have nothing to do with AI are also pushing this. We have delivery services of all sorts. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, the whole on-demand systems. All these things are changing. The delivery service really takes autonomous retail to a new level. I mean, it's not like these little, you know, robots and autonomous vehicles are roaming the streets and you just go and grab whatever you want yet. But actually in China, they do have a roaming convenience store. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and the- so, you know, it's only a matter of time. I mean, is that something that you could do to food deserts in the United States too? That, you know, or maybe in a bar district at that, that- around 1 a.m. when people are getting oh, out and they're hungry, talking. right? Well, you know, that does bring up two interesting things we have seen. There was, we were at a NYU Tandon school. So they have a, a school of, artific- they have an artificial intelligence center there because NYU is pumps out AI people like crazy. And they had a demo day at their Future Labs event. And one of the things they demoed was this basically combined two kinds of autonomous. An autonomous vehicle was like a big kind of bus kind of thing combined with autonomous retail. Mm-hmm. So it basically would drive around to where there was food. And then at the end of the day, I guess, would go back to the warehouse and it would restock mm-hmm. on stuff. So it's kind of cool. At the end of the day, or I'm sure it could probably sense when it was right. running low. And if it was still had a lot of the day left, then it could go back. You know, they figure that out over time. Exactly. And the other thing I know that we've seen, like these little tiny versions of these bots, like the Starship bot, you know, the one that's got like six wheels. And we'll, set, we'll include links to all these things in our podcast show notes here. But basically, there are these same bots who go around in arenas, sports arenas, carrying drinks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, instead of you having to go back and like, oh, I don't want to miss the game. I don't want to miss that shot. You know, when this little bot kind of roams by, you can yep. scan your phone or something. Wimbledon's actually been really innovative. The tennis with what they've been doing around AI and autonomous systems. So I think we had talked about that in how AI is impacting sports. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is just something to be aware of. You know, we think that we don't know when autonomous retail will basically be the majority of the way that people are preferring to do retail. It may still take a long time, you know, just like e-commerce took a long time. I remember, you know, one of my first businesses, you know, was something called Virtue Mall back in 1994. We were one of the first online shopping malls. At the time, that was like really revolutionary. You know, people did not want to put their credit cards online. It was like a thing. And it took a few years, of course, you know, obviously with the growth of Amazon started the same year that Virtue Mall started. And in 1996 to 97, by then it was a foregone conclusion that people were going to spend their time online with, with retail. But it took probably another decade or maybe a little bit more for it to really impact the traditional retailer. It was in the 2000s, late 2000s, early 2010s that we saw companies like 
Kmart going out of business and Sears having major problems and JCPenney and like all the retailers, they really felt the sting because they weren't able to make that transition. And so I think it's a good way to think about it, that this is one of those things where if there's a transition, smart retailers will start thinking about how they can get ahead of it and not be left behind by the march of technology. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.